really doing? It's a Sunday night. You're here. I'm so excited to get started. Honestly, here we go. I'm just going to jump right in because there's so much material. And, and when, I'm, when I say that, I have a, a good amount of pages. And I don't want to bore you, but at the same time, th- there has to be some type of understanding and teaching behind this conversation. So we've named this sermon series, not welcome, we've named it Invisible Yet Invincible. Invisible yet invincible, and, and it's a conversation. It's, it's, it's an understanding to go deeper within the context of ho- the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And why, why is the Holy Spirit recognized and talked about yet we don't talk about him in church? And um, I, I, I kind of gave this picture um, <laughs> when I was in high school, and I'll do it again because it was fun. And uh, what we would do in high school when we would go to like dances. Uh, if you could date back, at least how we did it when I was in school, is people would get in a circle and everyone would get all hyped up, right? Isaac, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Everyone's like, sometimes all the guys are in, in a circle and they're dancing, and then one person jumps in, and they're like going. And then you like take turns back and forth. The girls do it all the time too. And what, what I was mentioning was like sometimes it's Jesus, it's God, and then it's the Holy Spirit, and there's like a dance. But we don't want to let the Holy Spirit into the circle to dance, to have his turn. And so we, we created, really I felt impressed in my heart to talk about the Holy Spirit. And so last week, part one, we mentioned that in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, it's, it's not some weird ghostly thing. It's not, we, we have this preconceived notion if you grew up in the church where the Holy Spirit is a weird activity going on and people falling over and it's like scary. Like, no, 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 we don't want to talk about that. Like that's, but yet, if, if we push that aside, then we're not getting the full understanding of the power of God. You see, we believe in a triune God. We believe in Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So if we believe in the Holy Spirit, we got to talk about the Holy Spirit. What, right, Will? Come on, bro. So, like, we, we got to have this conversation. We just got to. We got to have it. And so we, we learned last week that the Holy Spirit is not some weird thing in the Old Testament. In fact, the, the true meaning in the Hebrew is ruach, right? Like with popcorn in the back of your throat, ruach. And that just means wind. It means a wind, a rushing wind. And then we looked at pneuma, and it's almost the same thing in the New Testament. So there's this wind, this fresh wind, a breath of fresh air to which God didn't create Adam and slap him on the head or kick him. The the way he created, the way he, Adam got full existence of life was a breath, So we talked about how every breath we breathe comes from the heart of God, the movement of God, the power of God, the pneuma of God, the ruah of God. So we have to talk about the Holy Spirit. And so I just want us to take a deep breath. We're not going to do anything crazy or weird in this room, but we have to understand who the person of the Holy Spirit is. All right, so we're going to go a little deep. Can we say deep? We're going to go deep. Deep. We're going to go a little deep tonight, okay? And, and, and here's the thing. When, when you understand what this is, I talked about this. There's a preaching side where I'm passionate, I'm excited, but there's also a teaching component. So I'm going to try to do both, but it's really hard. But there has to be a theological understanding, not only with your mind, but also with your heart. You see, we talked about it could be so much of a, a mind thing that it's gnosko. We talked about that, gnosko. It's, it could be so theological and we just walk around like, yeah, I know it all. I got the understanding. I went to Bible school or I, I went to that church. And we just know everything about the Bible, but yet there's no heart in it. 
And Jesus looked and he talked to people and he's like, there's no, you don't gnosko me. You don't know me. You know me here, but not here. So we're going we're gonna to jump in. So I titled this, this passage, this collection of conversation today, Spirit Upon Me. Spirit Upon Me. So in, in, in other words, in order to understand the New Testament Holy Spirit, Numa, we have to understand the Old Testament Holy Spirit. Oftentimes we think that the Holy Spirit is just in the New Testament, but he's actually there in Genesis chapter 1, the first couple of verses. So there's this theme verse we have. It's Acts 19, verses 1 through 2. It says this, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, he took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus at a church there, a church he was starting there, a church where there was a movement there. There was things happening. There he found some disciples, disciples of Jesus. And they asked them, Paul said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. You see, I, I don't know about you. you. I don't know where you're at in your journey. You might have grown up in the church where you've heard about the Holy Spirit, but there might not have been the, the, the understanding of what the Holy Spirit really does. You might have grown up and had no understanding of church or, or, or what this looks like and what this means. And, and so we want to do a little teaching, a little understanding, because to truly understand the power of the resurrection that one thing that Jesus did that changed the entire course of humanity, had there not been a resurrection, Jesus dying and rising from the dead, there would not be faith here in regards to Christianity. There would be no hope, if I could be honest. I would have no hope to come up here and to passionately compel you and remind you of the goodness of God, of the grace of God, of the mercy of God, if there was no resurrection. But understand, please, that the resurrection came through the power of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit wasn't present, there would be no resurrection. So we're going to go a little deeper tonight, okay? You guys all right with that? I promise I don't want to make it boring. So I'm going to be a little animated, but we're going to get through this, okay? Now here's the Old Testament. I wanted to look at the chronological order. I was asking God, how do I do this? How do I? Man, we can see new, the New Testament, Holy Spirit, and the Bible says the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. But what about the Old Testament? And so I looked within the, the records of the Old Testament of the scriptures, and I found a man named Moses. Moses, who was a general of the faith. Moses, who led millions upon millions of people. You see, God looked at humanity, and he said, I'm gonna move within the Hebrews. I'm gonna choose a people and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do miracles and wonders because Adam sinned. Metaphorically, symbolically, that means that humanity sinned. We fell short of God. God said to do one, don't do that one thing, and we decided to sin against him. So then there's destruction and pain and brokenness and disease and horrible, wicked things that are here upon earth. And so God says there has to be a reconciliation to man into woman and into what I need to do. And how. So God chose the Israelites, but he needed a leader and the leader was Moses. So imagine this with me. You cross over the, the, the sea and you're in captivity. Pharaoh, over hundreds of years, captivity, bondage, brokenness, slavery. You don't have a choice of what to do. You just are told what to do. You work, you're a slave. And then you find freedom and you're on the other side of freedom. Moses leads the Israelites in freedom. And so then Moses now is the counselor, the pastor, the priest, and the prophet. Imagine all the problems. It's, it's, it's dated in, in, in records of 600,000 people, but a lot of times the scripture doesn't hit on the women and the children. 
So 600,000 people plus all the women and children, that's millions of people. So imagine a man, Moses, who is burdened, stressed out, having to hear over and over, man, I could barely do it. And like, like it's hard to constantly sit and talk to people about all, and it's not just small things. There's some heavy stuff you guys are going through. And so then Moses is, is constantly, every single day, every single day, and so then he has a father-in-law. His father-in-law comes to him and says, Moses, you're crazy. I don't know what you're doing. You need a system. You need to be a better leader. How about this? Appoint 70 leaders over the, the thousands, the hundreds, fifties, and tens, and I need you to, to be a little bit more organized, Moses. They then will take care of the heavy stuff, and you take care of the really big, important stuff. Moses is still burdened, though. He's like, I don't know how... Like, people were complaining about food, and they want meat. And all they just, they're getting bread, and they want meat, though. So we find ourselves in this passage of Scripture in the book of Numbers. It says, the Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent, to the church of meeting, that they may stand there with you. I will come down, this is God speaking, I will come down and speak with you there. I don't know if you've ever read this. This is amazing. I read this and I was blown away because we're missing it. We're, we're not talking about the Holy Spirit. I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you, Moses, because I've appointed you a leader. So Moses, I, I've given you power. It is within you. It is my spirit. My ruah, and it's in you. I'm going to come down. I'm going to take that power that is in you, and I'm going to put it on them, your leaders. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. So here's my, if you're taking notes, if you're a note taker, they will share the burden and the mission. So here it is. The Spirit empowers for mission. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit empowers you for mission. We all have a mission and a purpose here on earth. And it cannot be done. We are lying to ourselves if we are a person of faith. There is too much anxiety and suicide and brokenness and devastation and pain and hurt. There is too much of that. And you know what hurts me and breaks me in a conversation I've been having with Jesus? I tell him, God, you have given us the power that is in our soul to conquer enemies and giants and demons. And I feel like it's a... Well, we're dancing, but don't, well, we won't talk about that one. The Holy Spirit, we don't want anything to do with that one. Yet the Holy Spirit brings the power. The Holy Spirit brings the power. So the Holy Spirit empowers you for mission. There's another man named Saul. They were looking for a king. They couldn't find a king. I got to jump through this really quick. I promise we'll talk about it more in depth, but there's just too much. There's this next man. His name was Saul. The Israelites wanted a king. They wanted to be like everyone else. God, we want a king. We want a king. We want a king. All right. I'll appoint you Saul. He's, he, maybe he was dark, tall, and handsome. He just looked the part. Honestly, the scripture says that he looked the part. Well, every other king, the Midianites, the Moabites, uh, the Philistines, they all have a king, but, but like, God, we don't have a king. God was like, yeah, I'm your king. I lead you. Sure, you can have it. So it's Saul. It says this. This is Samuel, the prophet. It says, after that, you will go to Gibeah. This is Samuel talking to Saul. Where there is a Philistine outpost, as you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets. I love this part. This is so cool. Talk about praise and worship. Coming down from the high place with lyres, with timbrels, with pipes and harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. Strange, right? They'll be prophesying. Catch this, verse six. The spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, Saul. 
and you will prophesy with them and catch this and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever this, this I read this and I was like, come on. I, I don't know about you, but when I'm reading this, I actually believe it. Like if you don't believe the Bible, I'm sorry, like there is so much juice and, and benefit and guidance and, and, and there's, it's like we talked about the wind in our sails. So many times we're trying to figure out what to do next and it's in the scriptures. It's in the Bible. There's a guidance and understanding of what God wants us to do in humanity. Oftentimes all we have to do is, is put on our glasses and worldview of the scriptures. So when I read this, I was like, man, I, I own that. I want some of that. This is what God tells us Saul through Samuel. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Did you know that? God gives Saul a mission, a purpose, to be a king. I need you to lead the people, Saul. I'm going to give you power, and I'm going to change you from the inside out. And then whatever you put your hand to, I'm going to bless it. I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna move through you. It's not you, Saul. Do not, we cannot get it twisted. It's God moving through us. It's the Holy Spirit within us. So if you're taking notes, spirit on you, change within you. When the spirit is on you, when the spirit comes upon you, and mind you, here, here's the theological ramification of the Old Testament. This is crazy. In the Old Testament, the spirit would only fall upon certain people. Why? Because God wanted to move and, and he, he decided to choose people that were going to continue his purpose. So he chose certain people, prophets, kings, judges, that would move the, the, the people of Israel into reconciliation. And so this is so important that we understand that when the spirit comes on a certain person, it's not every person in the Old Testament. It's so important to realize that and understand that. In the Old Testament, the Spirit was on some people, not all people. God chose people. He looked at their character. He looked at their heart. He looked at the mission behind there. So he saw something in them that they did not see in themselves. And he still sees that today. Spirit on you, change within you. And then we find a man named David because Saul messed up over and over and over again. The wind was blowing this way. God was moving this way. But like Saul didn't care. Oh, like that's where God's going? Yeah, naturally, like wisdom says, I want to follow God. I want to do the thing God calls me to do. But yet there's always something within us that is waging war and, and wants us to move the complete opposite away of where God is moving. So Saul over and over and over again was like, I don't really care. I don't really care. I'm going to do it my way. I want to be God in my life. So God was over, over it. He was like, you know what, I'm gonna find someone else. He found a man named David. I don't know if you've heard about David. He's probably one of the most powerful rulers in the Israel kingdom. Everyone talks about David. The Jews know David. You bring up David, everyone knows David, okay? David's important, he's imperative. He's a depiction, an echo of Jesus in the New Testament. Here's what happens with David. Samuel, who went to Saul, now goes to David. So Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. There it is again. Mind you, chronologically, this was way before David ever stood before a demonic giant. 
ever. This was, this was before it. This was before David ever did anything in the armies. This was before David ever led, led any people. The Spirit of God came, empowered David for, for mission and for purpose. So here's the notes here. The Spirit gives power to conquer giants. I don't know what you're going through right now, but you gotta get this. If there are giants in your life, and I'm talking spiritual giants. We're gonna go deep right now. I talked about this last week. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The world we live in right now, and I know you would agree with me, is a dark and heavy and scary and ugly place at times. All you gotta do is turn on the news. All you gotta do is look at the darkest places in the world and you will soon discover there is darkness that seems to prevail. And I believe that God is looking for a person, for a people, to do something with, to shine light that is brighter than darkness because light will always prevail, light will always win, but there's this fight that's taking place, not brother to brother, not flesh to flesh, but we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age. That is the scripture, by the way. Side note, there's levels in generals, not only in darkness, but in light. That's a whole other teaching. But Satan hates you. Can I say that? Isaac, Satan hates you, bro. He can't stand you. He can't even stand when you got that catch, right? Everyone was cheering. I was cheering for Isaac. I was like, yes, let's go. Satan's not happy with any little thing that happens good in our life. He wants to accuse you and lie to you and say you're not good enough. He wants to tell you all the bad things you did last night, all the bad things you said about that one person years ago, that one thing that happened when you were a little person, a girl or a guy, and that, that event that took place. The enemy will constantly harass you and accuse you. So there's nothing good that comes from darkness, is there? <laughs> nothing good that comes from darkness. Yet, Oh, that's the wind? That's where God's going? Oh, I don't want that. Church? God? Doing it the pure way? Eh. I, I, I know what I want. I'm like a Saul. I'll do whatever I want. I'm God. I don't, I don't go with what God's doing. And what we do is we find ourselves missing out on what God wants to do in and through our lives. Mind you, this is Old Testament. We're going to get to new. It's even better. The Spirit gives power to conquer giants. Here's the next one. I got to go quick. The Spirit upon Samson. There's a man named Samson. We talked about him. He's strong. The Bible says in Judges that the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him three times um, within the three chapters of the book of Judges in Samson's life. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. That's like Marvel stuff right there. <laughs> That's amazing. That's in, when you watch Marvel, this, is, this blows my mind. Every person is searching for their identity and what their power is. Have you noticed that? When you watch Marvel or like, what's the other one? DC. <laughs> like everyone's searching for their power. And then once they, they understand it, once they get their identity, they, they, they unleash that power. It's always been there though. And if I could just use that as an example, it might not be a good example, but it's the same thing if you believe in Christ, if you believe in who he is, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he wants to be in the dance with you on your life. You have to allow him because you have power in you. But if you don't understand who you are, you'll never be able to unlock that power. 
the movement of God, the power of God, it is within you. So I talked about this last time. I got to do it again. Whenever there's, there's demonic oppression, because it happens. I sense it. I sense it. It was like there's only like two, now two times in my life that it came really heavy. And I was laying in bed, woke up at 4 a.m. And it was so heavy and so powerful. I had to wake Kelly up and say, we got to pray. Because there's something here and there's a harassment here and I can feel it. It's tangible. But get this. I got the power. There is nothing that can come against me because I, I got the keys. I know I got a daddy that's bigger than the enemy. I, 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 have, I have power over any giant that would come against me. Why? Not because of anything that I can do, but because who God is in me and the spirit upon me. Does that make sense? All right. So with Samson, the spirit gives power to keep fighting. A thousand men is a lot of people. Imagine he's got a, a, a donkey jawbone just slaying guys, the Philistines. You're going to get tired after a while. But the spirit, he gives you power to keep fighting. If there's anyone in this room right now, if I could just speak to you. If you're going through something, keep pushing. The enemy won't tell you that. If you're going through hell, there's a brighter day. Keep pushing. Stand firm. Step through the darkness. Because it is dark at times. But there is always power with who you are in Christ. Not aside from Christ. Not aside from God. With Christ you have power. So walk through the darkness. Walk through the valley. But know that there is a victory. We sang it. I don't know if you got this. But I'm like, trying to, we're trying to prepare you for something. The song says, we're gonna, I'm going to see a victory. I got to do teaching. My mom taught me this. And I, for the longest time, I didn't get this. Mom, I didn't get it. I'm sorry. I didn't get it, but I get it now. My mom would always say, stop speaking those words. They're negative words. They're, 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 they're coming upon you. The Bible says there's power. Look it up in Proverbs. There's, there's power. There's life and death within the words and the power of the tongue. This, is, this might be too deep. If it is, let's talk about it because we got we to understand this. <laughs> God moves, the Holy Spirit moves beyond time. Right, Paul? We talk about this. Like Interstellar. Have you seen that movie? Oh, you got to see it. You got to see it. Like he moves beyond another dimension. You got to understand this. The Holy Spirit, there's no time with God. The Bible says he's the alpha and he's the omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. He's all of it. He, he defines time. I define time, God says. So he knows everything that's going to happen in our life. He knows every route we can take and we will take and we will not take. He knows it all. Crazy, right? Hard to wrap your head around, right? Yet, he gives you free will. He's not going to force you to do anything. I'll prove it to you. Were you forced to come here? I mean, like, maybe if you're a little kid, sorry. Like, if you're, if you're forced to be here, like, that's not how God works. He doesn't force anything on you. It's your choice. So then I have a choice to walk into the goodness and the grace and the mercies of God. So when I read something like this, when I understand that he calls me to more, we talk about this. That's our language. It's the culture code of what we say. If you're a part of this church, we, we just, we're going to say it. We're going to call you to more. We're going to call you to more. We're going to call you. What does that mean? There's some character flaws. 
We're going to get around you enough to, to be friends and, and have a relationship, but we don't ever want you to be like you were a couple of months ago. If, if you really care about this journey thing, this faith thing, then we're going to call you to more. Why? Because the Holy Spirit calls us to more. But I, you got to get this. In Judges, it says this. There's a man named Gideon. This, this goes to what my mom was talking about. There's a man named Gideon. If you don't know him, we're going to read it. You got to read the story, though. Judges 6, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of, in Oprah and belonged to Joash the Abazite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, is it behind me? Can you read it? Say this with me. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Did you catch that? The angel came to this man named Gideon. He was doing his duties. The angel came and said, hey, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Well, if you don't have any contextual understanding of the history of this passage in scripture, you will know that Gideon never fought any battle before this. How on earth can I be a warrior if I've never fought a battle? How on earth can I have power if I've never seen victory? The angel says, hey, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I see something in you you don't even see in yourself. I see the victory, but you don't even see it. You got a war, you got a giant, you got a battle beyond you, in front of you. I already see the victory. You're a mighty warrior. Side note, this is how God talks and thinks about you. That's why we can't stop giving the enemy in the darkness power and he will use our words. Stop saying negative things about your life and about your situation and where you're going, believe me, I'm preaching the choir. I know this is difficult at times. Verse 13, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this bad stuff happened to us? Where are all the, his wonders that our ancestors told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Am I not sending This is God speaking. Verse 15, pardon me, my Lord Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan, here's the excuse. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. It ain't gonna happen with me, God. Verse 16 says, the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. If you skip verses of verse 33, it says, now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other Eastern peoples forced they came against and crossed over the Jordan to where they were and camped in the Valley of Jezreel. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. We can't read because it's just too much, but Gideon finds victory. The least, the weakest clan, the one that no one would think would win. But because God said it, but because God said, I am with you, because God said, you, you, don't, you don't understand, Gideon. If I'm with you, if my spirit is upon you, you will win. You will see the victory. So the spirit calls you to more, to walk through the fear. All right. Are you guys getting this? I know this is a lot. Like, I'm sweating. This is, this is a lot of work. Seriously, because I was telling Kelly, like, we cannot miss this. I'm over not teaching what the scripture really says. We got to understand what it says. If we're told about the Holy Spirit, then, then we have to understand what the Holy Spirit is about. This is what the Holy Spirit is about. Scripture is promised to the people of God. This is where it gets better. This is where it starts to build and climax. Scripture promised. Ezekiel says this. This is prophetic words over the people of Israel. Verse 27 of Ezekiel 36 says, And I will put my spirit in you and move you. 
I don't know if you know, but prophecy is, is something being spoken over you for your future. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, there were prophecy. In the New Testament, there's prophecy. Even today, there is prophecy. And there are always, it's always hope. It's always faith-filled. It's always something that God is calling you to more in. And so the prophet says, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. But notice Ezekiel is saying this for everyone. This isn't like this for everyone in the Old Testament. There's a foreshadow, there's an echo for the future. There's a prophetic word. Here's the anticipation of what the spirit will do. This is prophecy of 800 years before Jesus ever walked the earth. 800 years. Do your biblical due diligence and look at it yourself. 800 years, the book of Isaiah says this. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Jesse, if we were to date back, falls all Jesse and then David and then King Solomon and then all these other kings. They, the man, the father Jesse, from his stump comes all the way, this man named Joseph, and then Joseph had a son named Jesus. So it came from this stump of Jesse, which is Jesus. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Here it is. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Prophecy fulfilled from 800 years of the work in the spirit of Christ. Here it is. This is Isaiah. You have to get this, please. You gotta get this. This is, this is amazing. Ethan, I promise it's amazing, bro. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Why is that important? Because Jesus, he quotes this in the New Testament. So now we're out of the Old Testament. No more Old Testament. We're talking about the New Testament now. I promise we're almost done. The Old Testament is this. There's the Messiah, Jesus, who was born. He was born of a virgin, Mary, right? His father's name was Joseph. If you date back Joseph all the way, it comes from Jesse. If you date back even farther before, he comes from, like, Isaac. It comes from Jacob. It comes from Father Abraham. Had many sons. Have you heard that? Had many sons. Father Abraham. So Abraham dates all the way back. The lineage, 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 lineage. Prophetic words. You can look it up in the history books. Don't even look at the Bible. Look at the secular history books. There's a prophetic word. Scholars will even look at the Bible for history. Did you know that? It's dated. They were so big on writing in their scribes. We, we get history from the Bible, right? So check this out. Luke says this. Jesus gets baptized. He gets baptized. The book of John. Uh, John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. Before he starts any ministry, the father comes. He, he, the, he speaks from, from the sky. He says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And the scripture says that the, a dove came and rested upon, upon Jesus, and it was the Holy Spirit. It was the pneuma. It was the power. So Jesus, wait, wait, wait. Jesus, this, the same echo from Moses of the, the pouring of the spirit, the same echo from Samson and, and, and from David and from Saul, the, the spirit, the spirit comes and he rests upon Jesus. And then full of the Holy Spirit, Luke 4 verses 1 through 2, Jesus left the Jordan and was led by the spirit. He was led by the Spirit, into the wilderness where 40 days he was tempted by the devil. We've heard about this, right? He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Then after this, here it is, Luke 4, verses 14 and 19, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He was from Galilee, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. 
He went to Nazareth, where he was, like his hometown, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. So you found him at church. Side note, okay? <laughs> he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to them. You got to get this, please. Come on. This is like, this is teaching right here, okay? I get geeked out about it because this is crazy. When I was in Bible school and I read this, I was blown away. It was like a veil was taking from my eyes. 800 years, please, please get this. 800 years, Isaiah reads this. Jesus walks into the synagogue. The spirit has already been speaking to him about his mission, his plan, and his purpose. He knows where he comes from. He knows who his father is. He knows what his mission is. He knows where his power comes. So it says this. He stood up to read the scroll. The prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it. He found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me. This is Jesus' ministry for your life. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love this part. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Dropped mic. The room was silent. Jesus, we're talking about Jesus. We're in Nazareth, so we all know him. We grew up with him. Jesus has the audacity to come in here, read the Holy Scriptures, quote Isaiah, and says, that's me? That's what he says. He began by telling them, today, here's the drop mic, today, this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. See you later. The Jews were waiting for a Messiah, a Messiah, a Messiah, a Messiah. We, we need the Messiah because the Romans are like tearing us apart. They're making us carry their bags and they're laughing at us. They're humiliating us. We're like in slavery again. We need a Savior, the Messiah. He's going to come with, with sword in hand and take care of us. The Messiah comes and he says, hey, check this out. This is, this is me. I'm fulfilling the prophecy. Why is this important? Because all throughout Jesus' history and story, worship team, you guys can come on up. All throughout the story of the New Testament of Jesus' life, he's going and he's, he's fulfilling that very pro- prophecy. He goes and he sets the people that are, are captivated, they're captives to their sin and their brokenness. Not just physically, they're, they're blind. There's an account of two different men, two different stories, one that's lame and he's standing waiting by a pool and another one just because he was just born that way. And they're, 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 they're just lame, they're just, they, they, they need help and not only are they physically burdened, but mentally, emotionally, there's a mental and emotion component to this. And Jesus tells us, get up, you're set free. Hey, whatever you're going through in this world, take heart. I've overcome the world, Jesus said. I've overcome the world. Take heart. I am with you. You're going to go through some stuff. You're going to go through some troubles. I am with you, though. I set the captives free. Those that are broken, those that are uh, uh, in burden, those that literally need a physical healing, I am here to make that and bring that into full fruition. So here it is. Why did the Holy Spirit come in the book of Acts? It says this, after his, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proof that he was alive. After he died, he came back and he was appearing and reappearing. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. 
Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. It's a gift. There's a gift. Salvation is free. It's yours. You can have it. But I'm going to give you a gift from my, my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I need you to have power. Because I'm putting you on a mission. Because you're all witnesses, not just pastor, all of us. You have power to make a difference. That's what the Holy Spirit does in your life, power to make a difference. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. For us, it's, it's Jesus is saying, I need you to touch Chino. Touch Chino, touch Upland, touch Claremont, touch Ontario and Pomona and Chino Hills, the Inland Empire, California, and the rest of the world. I've given you a purpose. I've given you gifts. I've given you a calling. And now you're set for mission. Step into it. I got some power for you. Acts 2, 12 says this. It's not on the screen. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? This Holy Spirit thing. I don't get it. Like, what? People are speaking in tongues and and the fire's coming down on people and like this, this Pentecost, which just means 50, has come upon us because there's a correlation between the Old Testament when Moses had the, the Torah and he gave the laws and 3,000 people died that day because they built a calf. And then here's the correlation, years past Jesus, better than a Moses, he says, I'm gonna give you a gift and then the gift is foretold and the, the Bible says, in the, in the book of Isaiah, I believe it's Isaiah, he says, in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Side note, theological side note, not just men. No women can preach up here. We're gonna have some preachers. We, got, we, we have some fire preachers coming up here because the Holy Spirit doesn't just come on men. The Holy Spirit comes on all flesh to empower, to give power, to go on mission. The Holy Spirit, here, here's three notes for you and we're done. Note one, the Holy Spirit empowers to live righteously. Like we're gonna talk about that real quick. The Holy Spirit gives me power to live righteously. I can't do this on my own. Come on, let's be real. A 16 year old, 17 year old, I remember that. Moments in my life we talk about in our coin cruise, all the pressures that come on just men, sins that just come upon men at times. But I got an answer for you. The Holy Spirit gives you power to walk through those things. You can't do it on your own. Try it. It won't work. But I have this growing relationship with the Holy Spirit, the one that is within me, the Ruach, the wind. It's invisible, yet it's invincible. He is invincible. Nothing and no one can come against the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 9 says, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, by the Spirit. You're like, yeah, I am. You are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. Does the Spirit live within you? Have you given Him power to live within you? Have you given Him power to, get, to guide you and move you and lead you? Have you given Him power to build something within you? To speak to people, to speak to giants and say, you gotta flee. When all hell breaks loose in your life, in your marriage, with your children, with your family? Can you stand against the giants and say, I got a God that's bigger than you? Or are we gonna back down because we don't realize the spirit is within us to fight any battle? Because we see the victory. 
Here's point two. The Holy Spirit empowers to live supernaturally. We're gonna talk next week about spiritual gifts. So if you wanna come, come. If there's just five of us, we're gonna talk about it, but it's in the Bible, so we're gonna talk about it, okay? Spiritual gifts. Check this out, Acts 10, 38 says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. It's in the Bible, guys. It's right here. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. First Corinthians says this, my message, my preaching, we're not with wise and persuasive words. You can find that at a theological school. I know people that are so deep within theology that they've missed it in their heart. I know theologians that don't even believe in God, but they just teach about him. We're not gonna be that type of people. We're gonna believe in this stuff. We're gonna believe that there is a victory. We're gonna believe that there's power. I don't care what people think about wherever in whatever denomination, whatever sphere of influence within the church, we believe in the power of the resurrection of Jesus. So we're gonna preach that. If you got some suicidal thoughts, the Holy Spirit is gonna give you power to work through that. There's practical things. I got friends in this room. We got some practical steps to take. Drug addiction, pornography addiction, just like so struck with like giving into the sinful desire. There's a solution to that. There's some steps, but there's also understanding the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going way over, here's point three. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live on mission. I've said that. First Thessalonians says, our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. There's a conviction in my soul. I'm sorry, I don't care. The Holy Spirit convicts me. Why? Because he's always calling me to more. Always, 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 always. I wouldn't want it any other way or I'm gonna end up like Saul. I wouldn't want it any other way. I need the conviction. I need that voice, that still small voice. And that's where fasting comes in hand. If you're looking for a solution, fast. Because the world, the voices of the world become so quiet when you're fasting. Like actual food fasting. It's hard. It's hard stuff. But then I can hear, I can feel the ruah, the numa. Man, it's invisible. I can't. Where, where are you leading me, God? but I know that he's invincible. So this is not to boast, it's not to say, look at me, look at our church, look at what God is doing when there's signs and wonders, because there will be. When there's things going on in this church and, and we need a victory, we were gonna pray that the Holy Spirit move and he will move, I believe that. We're not doing this to boast. Please, too many denominations get this mixed up. We're not better than any other church. We just believe in Jesus, in God and the Holy Spirit. So here it is, here's the mic drop, last point for you, write it down in your heart on your notebook, here it is, and then we're done, we're gonna worship. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you, it makes me better than me. Hold on, let me, let me, let me say this better for the theologically inclined. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you, He makes me better than me. He, the Spirit, makes me better than me. Not it, He, He's a person. So, so we're just, we're dancing, right? Right, Isaac, we're dancing. And we gotta, we gotta let the Holy Spirit have his dance. We gotta let the Holy Spirit have his moves in our life. Right on? Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for every person in this room going through some stuff, either in valleys or in dark places. God, I pray the power.
power of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection of who you are, would fill us, God. Fill us up, Lord. Not in a weird, spooky, over-traditional way, but just in a way that's it's, it's God-made, not man-made. We believe in you, God. For those that do, we step into your promises. For those that are just trying to figure it out, God, I pray that we would just have more conversations about who you are. But if there's any person in this room that has never given their life to Jesus, has never stepped into the fullness of what God has called you to, to live, you're just, you just feel like you're doing it on your own. If there's any person in this room that just needs a breath, a fresh breath of air from God, if that's you, could you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. If there's any person in this room, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Jesus, we love everything you're doing, God. I pray that you'd speak, you'd move, and you'd, you'd work on our behalf, God. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's stand on our feet. Let's sing this with all our hearts. <laughs>